Blog Talk Radio. show anyway even before this news that's changed it to a, a sad note that we're going to be leading off with uh, to start the show anyway. Of course it's Cast Talk Wednesday, Benny Hardy, Terry Brown 845-277-9373 because we're going to spend the first part of the show uh, reacting, reflecting because BBN has lost a legend larger-than-life individual on the football field and off. And of course, talking about the passing of former U.K. quarterback Jerry Lorenzen, uh, a Kentucky legend dating back to his high school days, athletically, football, basketball. So he did at Kentucky. The SEC knows what he did at Kentucky. Went on and parlayed that to the NFL. Uh, Super Bowl winner. But a great guy. In addition to all of his exploits on the football field, uh, passed away after battling a lot of health issues. 38 years old, had uh, heart, kidney issues. Um, uh, and last week, found out he was hospitalized. Uh, your family requested privacy and, and didn't let out a lot of news. They kind of went through Matt Jones' KSR to, to release statements uh, to the public. And they said he was battling, he was fighting. Um, you heard one news said that he was still kind of, still kind of fighting, and you kind of kept your hopes up. <clears throat> and that was kind of the last update prior to the update that came out today, uh, when they announced that he did uh, pass away. Uh, there was also an infection, in addition to the heart and the kidneys. Um, we all know the nicknames, we all know the monikers. And, you know, he wore those nicknames with pride, with pride the hefty lefty, you know, round mounted touchdown, things of that nature. Uh, that dated back to when we were in school and watching him at Kentucky and followed him all throughout his life. We saw the E60 special with Jeremy Shapp. We saw um, the Jerry Lorenzen project where he was um, – Working, losing some weight, and lost a hundred pounds. Um, we saw him play uh, there for the Arena League there in Northern Kentucky, where he got injured. And we still saw him running around making plays there. 
Um, so, yeah, you knew that you know, the health issues were there, could potentially be there. But when your son kind of really commits to, I'm going to buckle down, I'm going to lose this weight, you felt good for him. You're like, well, that's good. That is good. Um, knew he had a tough road ahead of him. He knew that. We knew that. There was an interview he did with Lee K. Howard saying, you know, there's, I'm not happy where I'm at now, but there's nothing I can do. But, you know, go out and smile and have fun doing it. Yeah, I want to see my kids grow up. I want to see my grandchildren, so on and so forth. So when he did kind of buckle down and kind of focus on it, I was like, well, that's, that's good, even though there's, you know, he's pretty heavy and there's health risks, hoping that he would be able to, make it down that long journey. Uh hate to see him have the setbacks with the infection and then hear that he lost the battle with that today. So very, very sad news for his, his family, his mom, his children, his father, everybody outside of his family that knew him from a personal standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, just a sad, sad afternoon to hear about the passing of Jared Rizzi. Absolutely. Uh, I've commented out there on social media and a lot of things, but Jared Lorenzen loved Kentucky, and Kentucky loved him back. And I think that's about the highest compliment you can pay to someone who was a prep school, high school legend. You know, he was Mr. Football. Uh, He played football and basketball at Highlands really, really well. Uh, committed to UK. You know, we talk about recruits and how important it is to keep the best in-state recruits in-state. And Jared was one of those guys. You know, I don't know if, if you, know, his, you know, what kind of offers he had, but he committed to Kentucky. And despite multiple coaches, you know, under, under his, his run from Hal Mummy to Guy Morris to Rich Brooks, uh, he was still able to go out and, and despite the talented quarterbacks that we've had, he's still the all-time leading yardage uh, passer in Kentucky history. And once his playing career was over, and you and I have talked about it before, the wins and losses haven't always been there for Kentucky football, but there was no doubt that when Jared Lorenzo was the quarterback, you always – it was must-see TV. You know, there was that epic uh, seven-overtime game against Arkansas, that clip that KY Clips uh, tweeted out uh, earlier today where he's yelling to the stands in the fourth quarter, where are you going? You're going to miss a good game. And it was probably <laughs> one of the greatest games that Kentucky has played in Commonwealth Stadium. And I'm I'm looking right up there with – uh, the LSU game uh, in 07 and in Alabama in 97, that game was just a war of attrition. That was just a battle, and, and, and that's what he did. Uh, he wasn't the fastest or the quickest, but you never doubted for one second he was doing everything he could to get his team to win. You know, there's that clip where he's scrambling against U of L, and he was not very fast. He was 300 pounds. But he, he makes this 40-yard run, and he bounces up, and he's excited. And you, you as a fan, you felt that excitement. And we've seen, um, you know, 
folks, media folks, and his teammates talk about how they made him feel. And um, he just he loved football, and you know having the opportunity to to, to be a part of that uh, New York Giants team that ended uh, the undefeated season of the Patriots. He got to experience that. You know, in my mind, that was worth all the heartbreak, you know, that he had experienced in Kentucky. That was kind of his football reward. I know he, he kind of cherished that memory. And he kept playing, you know, like you said, arena league and just, you know, he was a viral sensation, but he used his platform for good. That ESPN, uh, it wasn't a 30 for 30. I think it was that E60. You know, he, he shared his pain. He shared his 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 frailty with us. And um, I have to say that not just Kentucky football, but the Commonwealth of Kentucky is better because Jared Lorenzo was here. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you mentioned the, the NFL piece. It was a couple of weeks ago I was watching – a football life, kind of their version of, you know, SEC story or 30 for 30, the NFL Network's version of that, I should say. And they pick a different player, usually a legendary player, a coach, a Hall of Fame career, go back to their roots and their journey and how they made it and ups and downs in their life. You know, they're the one Lawrence Taylor. They've done it all. Charles Haley, and, of course, you know, he's his time in San Francisco, his time in Dallas, so on and so forth. This one was on Michael Strahan, you know, a little shy kid in Texas, his time in Texas Southern, and no way he thought he would make it in New York, you know, or even go and adapt being from such a small beginning. The, the journey to the Super Bowl, the Hall of Fame career, the sack record and all that. But it cuts away to a shot of, like, practice or training camp one time to show Strahan walking out towards the field, and all the guys are stretching, and there, facing his back to the camera, is, is Lorenzen out there stretching. He's like, and you're like, you know, oh, yeah, there's Jerry Lorenzen. You know, just watching it, just remembering. And, of course, being a Cowboys fan, enjoying his success. I hate that he was doing it for a division rival with the Giants. But, you know, there the camera panned on him. There's that Lorenzen right there in there with the group of guys stretching, getting ready to start the practice. Um I forget if it's, there's also a picture of him that's in the Hall of Fame with Strahan or Jersey something with Jared also made the Hall of Fame. He was on KSR talking about it. I forget what it was. But just little nuggets like that. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's Kentucky's own Jared Lorenzen doing those big things for the New York football Giants. Um, he's in Canton as well, not, not as a player for his career, but being on that team and being associated with those Giants. And he was also the type that, where I'm from, small, everybody knows, McCarley County is tiny, uh, it's little bitty. We talked about it with Keith Madison when he's been on about his small town in western Kentucky. Like most little towns, you kind of get excited when somebody that's a big deal is coming. You know, you know it's a big deal from Louisville is coming, the governor's coming, somebody from the city is coming. That's a big deal. That's just how it is. I remember in third or fourth grade, you know, the late Barbara Bush came to my little town in Cumberland, Kentucky. She gave a speech at the community college, and that's all that we were talking about. Barbara Bush is coming. The first lady is coming. 
you know, that's that's just what the buzz was. Uh, a few years ago, Holland County was playing a playoff game against Damian Harris from Madison Southern. And this was before he committed to Alabama. He was committed to Michigan at the time. But, oh, there's a big, bad running back coming. You know, that's, that's the buzz. He's committed to Michigan. Hope we can shut him down. The same thing when Highland came to Harlan County. I think Jared was part of the staff, or he was on the team. He made the trip. The buzz in Harlan County, Jared Lorenzo, way after his playing days, Jared is coming. Jared is going to be there. Jared is, you know, going up against Lorenzo's team, and he's over there. He's on the sideline. That was the buzz. And no doubt, Jared made a lot of people feel that way, not just people in my neck of the woods, but everybody statewide that happened to meet him, happened to shake his hand, you know, see him out at Kroger Field before the game or talk to him or just run into him, anywhere in day-to-day life, he made everybody feel that way. But he was one of those names that, boom, will buzz a little extra sizzle around town just because he was coming. We got you there, TV. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But that was one of those things I'll never forget. Just the fact that Jared was coming with the Highlands team to play a game at Harlan County. You know that that little buzz, that little sizzle that was running around and permeating throughout the town all week, just because Jared was coming. And you know, I've had run-ins with him. Uh, covering a lot of football games and and just um, like I, you find people that that get that level of fame that not that they're jerks or or anything like that although there are some people that are jerks but you could tell he genuinely loves making connections with people you know you get on the elevator and go up to the press box there that's also how you get to some of the suites on that side of of Kroger Field. And, and, you know, he'd get on, and you can't miss him. <laughs> you know, just you know, obviously, you know, that's Jared Lorenzo, but to see people interact with him and to see him interact with people was, was fantastic. And, like I said, he loved Kentucky football. Kentucky football really, truly uh, loved him back. You know, we can, as we get ready for this upcoming football season, and I hope, and I, uh, I feel that the football team, that UK Athletics will do something to honor uh, Jared, whether it's putting his name in the ring of honor, doing something, a decal on the helmet, something uh, to remember him. Uh, you know, as we talk about, you know, the 10-win season last year moving forward, we, we have to also look back on those people. You know, Jared didn't play in a bowl game, didn't. But but he played the game. It was it was exciting. It was just exciting to watch him play. And it's just this is this is a tough one. You know, he was 38, a little bit younger than than we are. And you know, watching him play, watching him represent Kentucky football, it was great. It was great. He had that gunslinger man, mentality. That Brett Favre, you know, I got a cannon. I can get the ball in there. And most of the time, he absolutely did. That's the thing, is most of the time, he absolutely did, uh, you know, uh, he, he did that. So, 
Um, it's it's wow. This this one really hit, this one hits close to home today. This one this one's a, a big one. Yeah, yeah, and um, just you know, uh, you saw the players tweeting out their respects. So Cash Daniels, Terry Wilson, among others, uh, Devin Booker. You know, uh, the outpouring just from current and not long ago former cats coming in. Um, I believe you you hit the nail on the head uh, as far as slacks and everybody down there. As far as for his tributes and acknowledgments and, and things of that nature, when the football season does arrive, um, I believe he was on KSR just a couple weeks ago. You know when they have those guest hosts coming in and you know bring in you know, football people and sometimes Coach Mitchell and guest hosts, and he was telling a story about I think meeting Brett Favre or going to meet him and they were playing the Packers and he had never met him and. Jared is, is geeking out over the fact that, you know, Favre is over there and, and I have to try to maybe find the podcast or something like that. But the same way <laughs> most of us kind of fawn over him or the reaction he got from the Blue Nation, he was feeling that same way looking across the field and seeing Brett Favre. Because, and like you said, he kind of had that same mentality. So, you know, you know, Favre had a profound effect on him and a big influence on the way he played. And it was just cool hearing him just talk openly about having a moment like that, because look, this dude is this dude is human too. He was as, as great as he was, and all the things that we have reminisced about for years, and will continue to reminisce about with what he did with the open shoulder throw against Georgia, the guy for Arkansas who who was trying to bring him down, and he just. You know, get off of me, I'm going to throw this pass anyway. Jared was just as awed by Brett Favre. So uh, it, it's kind of like, you know, from the the Harlan County perspective, we've had Charles Tinsley on here who, who played for uh, uh, EKU, you know, had a minor league contract with the Phillies, was a senior in high school when I was a freshman. Everybody kind of looked up to Charles. Charles had that swagger about him. Uh, you know, just that air about him. And you, that's Charles Tinsley. Everybody, his nickname was Man. That's Man Tinsley. He's a bad dude, man. And we, the way we looked up to him, and then he was on the podcast with Freddie Maggard, who we have to talk about too as you know, we move along. And Freddie talked about how, oh, Charles talked about a time when Freddie came to talk to him. Charles' mom wanted Freddie to talk to him. Maybe his grades wasn't right. Maybe he was kind of getting off track. And Charles looked up to Freddie the way we looked up to Charles. And Charles got his act together after, you know, Freddie came and kind of talked to him. And it was just cool hearing, I was like, wow, Charles looking up to somebody. You're like, who does he look up to? Because, you know, when you're looking up to him, you don't think they have those same feelings as you. You're like, man, he's the baddest dude. We know. Who's he going to be in all of? Same thing. Jared's in all of Brett Favre, just like everybody else is in all of Jared. We were looking up to Charles, and Charles was looking up to Freddie Mac. It's just the same kind of thing, but like you said, Jared wasn't cocky with it. He had countless interactions with everybody that he met. You know, people wanted to come up, I saw you do this, or that play you made when Highlands was playing Campbell County, or blah, whatever. He handled it all in stride and, and was down to earth about it all. 
and very funny and very opinionated. It was fun hearing him talk about football on the radio, talk about the cats on the radio, what he thought was going to happen, or, you know, his opinions on the quarterbacks that have come after him and things of that nature. It was, it was always a joy to listen to him. Yeah, and what I like to see, uh, well, I don't like to see, but uh, just people sharing their stories. Uh, I'm sure we'll see that all that come out uh, in regards to Jared over the next uh, few days. You know, once arrangements uh, are made. But with 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 King Kelly Coleman, you know, last week and Jared this week, that's that's too big. You know, and, and two big legends. I know we toss around legends around a lot. That that word kind of gets misused, but uh, for what they did on and off the field, uh, Kentucky's lost two really, really uh, big time legends. And and so, yeah, I, I'm with everybody else in the B, uh, BBN. It's uh, I mean, this is this one's a lot to process. This is this is a lot to process particularly age. I mean, 38, you, you and I got 38 mm-hmm. in the rear view mirror. And so yeah. uh, that tried and true, that idiom that you have to, you never know. And you have to live in the now. And, and, and Jared did. And that's one thing too, that when we look at kind of these outside personalities, you know, um, even non-Kentucky fans like Jared Lorenzen, you know, even even Louisville fans. I've seen my Louisville uh, uh-huh. friends and family talking about, man, like, we're not Kentucky folks, but but Lorenzen was special, and that's when you know <laughs> that someone has kind of uh, risen above the the nitpicking that happens back and forth with fan bases. Is uh, everybody likes the Pillsbury Throw Boy? You know, you, you as you talked about, you, you see him pop up uh, on NFL Network in a in a you know in a uh, a story about someone else. I mean, that's everyone knew Jared. You know, when it came down to nicknames, you know, I remember ESPN doing a whole special, a little segment on you know the Pillsbury Throw Boy, the Hefty Lefty, what have you. Um, you know, I remember my dad saying, you know, we watched him on TV one time. He said, that's a, that's a big boy. Are you sure that's a quarterback? You know, <laughs> and he wore a, a 22, a non-quarterback number, if you will. It was just – but there was just so much to this legend of, of Jerry Lorenzen and the things he could do with his left arm. Uh, man, I'm just I'm, – I'm really glad that, that you know, so people have just so many good memories. Of, of what he did, uh, like I said, on and off the field. He, he allowed himself to be human. When he was struggling with his weight, like a lot of people do, he was very upfront with it. And, and that's the kind of thing, you mm-hmm. can't really put a price tag on that. But, but he was a human uh, superstar that shared some of his flaws and, and, uh, and I would say helped out a lot of people by doing so. Yeah. And you mentioned King Kelly Coleman and now Jared Lorenzen. We did a show like this just prior to those with about Joey Couch, who was 49, who had came on this show twice. And, you know, we're talking, we were 
like previewing the football season, and then a couple months later came on right after the Florida game. I think it was the one where they should have beat them in Kroger Field in 2017, where they were up 27-14 and gave up the two touchdowns. But had him on twice, a legend as well, a really great guy, and a friend of the show, just enjoyed coming on, talking to us like we were some kind of big-time media people, and, you know, put him right there uh, in that in that group as well. Our friends over at Kentucky Clips, and they've been tweeting out, of course, they that's what they do with, with, with all the great clips of BBN events, past and present, and years gone by. They tweeted out a lot of highlights of Jared's games. You had the, the pregame with Rob Bromley and Bill Ramsdale talking about it. And now, you know, Kentucky fans have waited all summer for the debut of Jared Lorenzen. And that was towards back in the day when a lot of those games were recorded. It was at Louisville, so it panned on Jared warming up. There was um, the run against Louisville where, you know, he, he broke that long run that you mentioned, not the biggest, not the fast, well, not the fastest, not the quickest, but all hustle all the time. It showed the seven-overtime game. But they also brought up those periscopes that Jared did last year when Kentucky finally beat Florida to end that 31-game losing streak down in the swamp and Jared is just as nervous and anxious as we are on pins and needles until that final horn sounded when uh, you saw Josh Allen sack Felipe Franks, whatever his name is, from behind, and then Kentucky picks it up and runs it in. Jared's like, you know, oh, my God, oh, my God, is that going to stand up? Oh, that ball is out. Oh, oh, this is killing me. Oh, they're going to go for a review. And then when the call finally stands, touchdown, Kentucky wins, and he's just as relieved and exuberant and joyful as we all are, and he's periscoping it right there in his house, uh, goes to the freezer, pulls out some moonshine, you know, we got to sip on some peach, or we going to sip on some strawberry. He was <laughs> just as thrilled as we were, uh, but that's who he was. You know, he was one of us, you know, through and through. Yeah, and there was that genuineness. He was just a, a yeah. little boy from Kentucky, and and you know it it it, it wasn't this kind of all shucks kind of thing. It was that was just how he was, and it didn't matter if it was he was on the pregame show, if he was on a podcast with KSR, if you caught him, Jared is that that you you what you see was what you got. There was no act, there was no pretension, there was no none of that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We are, as we knew we would, spent a lot of time reflecting on Jerry Lorenzo. If you have memories, feel free to call in 845-277-9373. And you already Terry T.B. Brown here. That episode of Cat's Talk Wednesday, 6 to 8. Appreciate you tuning in and, and listening and uh-oh, thinking the same things about Jerry that we do. Uh, we also have Adam Jacoby coming on. I'll let you intro him when he calls in. Uh, a good get that you have set up for us towards the end of the show, last half hour of the show or so when he calls in. Um, no real smooth transition to Wisconsin NBA free agency, MLB, because 
that's the main thing that's really going on right now. So we'll talk about that as well. Talk a little college football. And we'll talk some hour with you guy, Adam, when he comes in. And that hour can tell you connection that we're uh, aware of, but we'll get into some more detail about that with him. But let's take us a quick break right now and be right back with more stuff to talk about, like we always do. Cast Talk Wednesday, Benny Hardy, Terry Brown, Brandon Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. We'll be right back in just a couple of minutes, y'all. Everything that happens to me, I love it, I love it, I love it. Everything that happens to me, I love it. I got my mind made up. I love it, I love it. I got my mind made up. I love the fact that my trials and tribulations act as a filtration for this loyal women who lack patience. I tell a girl I'm a, I'm a, not because I'm proud of it, just so she can see the fine print. So miss me with that line. This is what my life is. My rapping can't become more positive until my life is. So I'm in and out of traps and sat in my head. I back smile and put it on the track because everything that happens to me, I love it. I love it. I love it. Everything that happens to me, I love it. I got my mind made up. Everything that happens to me, I love it. I love it. I love it. Everything that happens to me, I love it. Welcome back, Cast Out Wednesday, Andy Hardy, Terry Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Always find us, blogtalkradio.com slash cats talk. If you miss us, we're available any and everywhere you get your podcast. Castbox FM, iTunes, Player FM, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, all those areas. Of course, replayed every Saturday on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. Feel free to give us a call, 845-277-9373. Reflecting on Jerry Lorenzen. Feel free to call throughout the show. Everybody's just kind of in shock. Uh, my sister sent a Snapchat in Lexington. She was in Lexington. It's pouring the rain. Uh, she said, Lexington is mourning Jared's passing. That kind of sums up how everybody uh, is feeling at the moment, just the shock of it. Because he kind of knew, well, yeah, he's in the hospital. It's bad. It's an infection. The family's requesting privacy. But it's still thought, well, it'll be a long battle and it'll it'll be tough, but he'll pull through and continue grinding and, and fighting and working to continue to lose weight and continue to get himself in better health like he initially planned on doing. Uh, so just kind of, like you said, it's jolting and it's shocking and it's, uh, like you said, it's a tough one. So uh, definitely going to be reflecting on Jared throughout the show. So feel free to call in with your thoughts or memories or things you remember, and we'd be glad to hear it. Um, 
another UK quarterback that was in the news as well um, was is Freddie Maggard, our guy. We mentioned him earlier. But he resigned from his position as the director of UK, as player development there at UK. Um, and his wife had also left a statement with Matt Jones with the health reasons played into that role as well. Uh, and they were kind of requesting privacy and respect. So our thoughts are with Freddie as well. He did an amazing job there. We, we've heard him do his thing on the media side as well. Left that to take this position under Coach Stoops and be part of the staff. And uh, the 4 for 40 thing, bringing in former players, helping current players transition and you know, not just be there for you for four years, but for 40. If you're helping you get an internship somewhere, helping you get a job somewhere, helping you in your life after football, an amazing job that he did with that. But um, it was his decision to resign, and so we definitely want to continue to think about him as well at this time. You know, thoughts and prayers and emotions go out to Freddie and his family with everything that he might be going through as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I saw that news. and uh, Again, Freddie, uh, not speaking about him in the past tense, but he, he loves Kentucky football as well. And that's, that's genuine. It just takes a couple of minutes to talk to him as we've had him on, uh, uh, that you just know that he's going to uh, tell you how much he loves Kentucky football. And that's what, and that's what we need. And that's why seasons like last season, and what we're anticipating for this upcoming season, that's what makes it special. Because, again, the X's, uh, not the X's and but the wins and losses haven't been there, but there are people that generally care about Kentucky football, and those are the people that you love to see rewarded with uh, teams having successful seasons. Yeah. And uh, went out to eat Saturday, and you run into a lot of people – from Kentucky down here, sometimes you know some nice lakes people like down here. They'll, they'll pop down and go to the lake, or going over to the Smokies, the Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg, um, or there's quite a few like myself that end up moved down here. You know where you know coal mines aren't as you know productive and fruitful as they used to be. So you see a lot of people from Pike County and Floyd County and Harley County down here. And ran into a guy from Ledger County, which is right there, borders Harley County, is where Whitesburg is at. And he had played against Freddie when Freddie was at Cumberland. Uh, he played for Whitesburg. I think he was a couple years older. And we were just, we just got to talking about him. You know, gave him one of the cards to the show because they were just hanging out. You know, he taught in Tate's Creek. But they were hanging out down here, spending part of the summer down here. And before he went back to Lexington for school to start, and we were talking about Freddie and, you know, the job he was doing and all of this. And, and he was talking about how, of course, Freddie was such a great baseball player and how he was going better at baseball than he was at football and getting drafted by the Royals. And he said it was kind of a head-scratcher to him that well, I was surprised that he went the football route when he was coming out of high school, you know, just from playing against him, you know, in, in the various sports that he went against him in. And then you get home, and then a bit later you hear the news that he resigned. It's like, wow, oh, man. But definitely thinking about Freddie and hoping everything works out for the best for him and Jennifer and their little youngins as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And friend of the show, another little transition as far as UK is concerned. Uh, we've had Keith Madison on a couple of times, mentioned the fact that he's from that same small town, you know, out in western Kentucky. And we've mentioned the stuff he does in Harlan County. Not tomorrow, next Thursday, July the 11th, he's doing a free baseball clinic in Harlan County, right there at those baseball and softball fields in Benham, Kentucky that he talked about. 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., 10 to noon, next Thursday, July the 11th, at the Benham baseball and softball fields. Coach Madison is going to be there doing a clinic. going to bring some major leaguers with him. Got pizza and snacks and all the whole shebang after it's over. This is for kids in Harlan County, the Tri-Cities, Lynch, Benham, and Cumberland, all of Harlan County, and all of Letcher County, just like you mentioned, the Weisberg area, Jenkins. So we wanted to spread the word and announce that not tomorrow, a week from Thursday, July the 11th, 10 to 12, go to Benham, go to the baseball and softball fields, because Madison is putting on a clinic. So, Appreciate him coming back to the home front uh, and giving back. It's always a good time. Uh, give the kids some knowledge on the game. He talked about how kids never got to meet, you know, a college coach. He never met a college coach. And now some kids from my hometown will get to meet him, some former major leaguers, get some instructions, get some pizza, and have a whole morning's worth of fun courtesy of Keith Madison. So definitely want to uh, spread the word on that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that Coach Madison is is able to to do that. You know, every time he comes on again, um, it's about giving back. And you know, that's one thing we we've, we've seen kind of covering sports. It's one thing that what happens between the lines and and all that, but there's so much more that goes on outside of uh, the playing field. And a, a lot of guys, we've been very fortunate here at Kentucky. We've got a lot of folks that that definitely give back not just to the university, but to the community and to the state as a whole. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and another UK note, um, we, we've seen some guys transfer into the basketball team. You know, Reed Travis, Nate Sustina this year. Brad Calipari is going to be transferring out, heading to Detroit Mercy uh, to continue his playing career. He's going to be moving on up there. Still got love, love for UK in his heart. Uh, had a nice little video announcing that the other day. So uh, not sure if we'll see as much of Ellen courtside as we have these past couple of years. Uh, and soon they'll be making some trips to Detroit and, and checking those games out. But uh wish Brad all the best as he moves on to UD Mercy. And, and this was kind of the plan, I think, with him redshirting last year to preserve that eligibility. This was the plan. He's already graduated. Uh, this is a great uh, opportunity for to give him a, a chance to play. And, uh, you know, you definitely wish him, wish him the best. I don't think there's any ulterior motive other than he, he wanted to play. And, you know, could he play at Kentucky? Probably not. And I think uh, 
I'm not sure how comfortable he was kind of being that victory cigar type situation. I know a lot of the guys that were in that role, that's not the best because you're a competitor, you know, and you want to, you want to win and play and contribute and just being the um, kind of victory cigar. I know a lot of folks, a lot of guys just aren't comfortable uh, with that role and, and Brad's going to get an opportunity to play. You know, he may not set the world on fire, but he'll be able to play, be able to contribute, and, and that's what he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, not a ton of, you know, UK stuff news because he says it's long time, but definitely wishing the best moving forward. And like you said, he'll, he'll at least see what he can do. If he had stayed, you know, you might have had that regret of, well, maybe if, if I had a transfer to just to see what I could do uh, for a team where I could get on the floor more. Now he'll get to to fulfill that uh, and go out there and, and contribute more on in-game situations instead of just coming in, like you said, you know, those last minute and a half or so. So uh, definitely wishing Brad the absolute best moving forward. Is there any soapbox stuff that you got? I got a couple of things to throw at you. You got any soapbox things? Haven't had any soapbox straight TB preaching in a while. Has <laughs> you got anything built up, or you good, or, or how how we doing with that? <laughs> uh, no, I mean honestly, and, and I think we'll touch on this a, a little bit uh, when you look at NBA free agency that kicked off this past weekend. My only frustration with that is I don't know what it is about the NBA's free agency that people just – people hate it. You know, you see it all the time. I see it. People really don't like the NBA because of the money that the guys get for playing. And, and, and I, look, I understand the NBA isn't for everybody. But, and you can have a preference and say that you prefer to watch college basketball. I get that, but you can't tell me that the college product is better. That's 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 not that's not true. Uh, you can you can build up this narrative of you know they're playing for the jersey, or the name on the front of the jersey, and rah rah rah, and all this kind of stuff. And to some extent, that is true, but there's no there's no equivalency with the skill level. Like I'm gonna go watch my girl, you know, play. In, in their school orchestra. But that's not like that's there's a difference between that and going to the New York Philharmonic Orchestra. There's a difference. Okay. <laughs> and, and 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 my daughter, they, they look they pour their heart into it and it's great and I love it for what it is, but I'm not gonna say it's going to be objectively better than professionals doing it. Well these guys just they're all about the money. Look I hate to break it to you, but professional athletes have always been about the money. That's part of it. You know, Babe Ruth was famously asked, you know, how come he makes more money than the president? And his response was, I had a better year than the president did. So <laughs> the notion that, that, you know, players of the 50s and 60s just play. No, you do it. You've got a talent that has a value attached to it. And that's the way it works. And this notion that, oh, they're all about the money. Yeah, they want to get paid. Players aren't dumb. 
NFL, NBA, MLB, they understand how much money teams are bringing in. Billions of dollars with a B. But for some reason, we get caught up in what the millionaires are making and not the billionaires. And that, I, I don't understand that disconnect. We only really get bent out of shape when it comes to the NBA. And we say, oh, all this guy's doing is putting, uh, he just puts a ball in the hoop. Nobody's worth $100 million. Well, yeah, if you can do something at an elite level, you're worth it. At your office, if you're a salesperson right now, the number one salesman in the office gets a little bit more leeway than other people. That's just the way it works. Right or wrong, that's the way the system is. So these guys that can do things at an elite level, they absolutely, absolutely, uh, they get to, uh, they, they, they deserve that money. And yeah. I, it just, when you look at, look at the evaluation of the Golden State Warriors, okay, 10 years ago, if I gave you a Golden State Warriors T-shirt, what are you going to do? Look at me like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I mean, like, here you go. Now, Golden State, after this run, they've got a new arena. The, the franchise is valued at X amount. And you telling me that, like, a Steph Curry had nothing to do with that? <laughs> so, absolutely, those guys are worth it. If you don't think they're worth it, look at the Chicago Bulls in 1984. Look at Chicago Bulls in 1994 <laughs> and tell me that one man didn't make a difference. <laughs> Michael Jordan at $50 million a year was being underpaid by the Bulls. So I, I just get frustrated because it happens every year. You know, these, these guys sign with it. And they're like, oh, these guys are all about the money. Yes, we all are. Very few of us can just think about taking a job and not ask how much we're getting paid, not try to get the most. I know I do. <laughs> that, that, that should be part of it. All these the old timers. No. no, they didn't. No, they didn't. And that's what I liked about what Larry Bird said at the uh, NBA Awards last week. You know, the old timers try to devalue what the young guys are doing just because the opportunity is a little bit different. You know, Larry Bird saying, oh, you know, these old guys saying these young guys can't play. Yeah, they can't. LeBron James is a talent that could, he could have played from George Mikan in Minneapolis all the way up to now. Kevin Durant could have played. From that. It, it, those guys are universally good. We, we've got to stop romanticizing these old days and understand, you know, things, things are different. These guys deserve to get paid. We spend more time worrying about the people cashing these big checks than the people writing the big checks. So that's my soapbox moment <laughs> because you, you always see it, and it's always, you know, you see some, you know, some journeyman guy in the NBA that signs for something, and you're like, well, that's a lot of money. I'm not counting other people's pockets because I understand how much money flows into these leagues, even though they try to tell you, you know, the owner tried to tell you, oh, you know, we're, we're not making any money. That's dumb. Don't buy it. 
No Silicon Valley billionaire. Like, Jerry Jones didn't buy the Cowboys to lose money. Mark Cuban made all this money uh, beforehand and didn't buy the Dallas Mavericks to not make money. Don't buy that. You know, you, you see these teams, we, we can't pay because we don't make money. Yes, you do. Yes, you, I, I don't believe. You remember the NBA was trying to tell people four or five years ago during one of the stoppages that 20 teams lost money? No, that's dumb. Don't believe that. That's, they can cook the books all they want to, but no, that's, that, that's, that's not accurate. They're not losing money. So that's, that's my two cents. It's probably, it's probably in about four or five cents on uh, NBA free agency as far as people's perspective. Now, on the actual moves, uh, mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to love what Brooklyn was able to do. Again, you know, people, the, the Skip Baylesses and those folks, oh, you know, Kevin Durant's just getting with Kyrie because they're friends and DeAndre Jordan. That, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. If you have a situation where you've got a little bit of leverage and professional athletes don't have a lot, and you can find a situation where you can play where you want to play with whom you want to play, that goes a long way. I think. If I had the opportunity to do that, I'd do it. So I think the Nets, after they pretty much, you know, got fleeced, quote-unquote, giving up all those trade picks to Boston for a year of old Pierce and old Garnett. And everybody say, oh, Boston, blah, 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 blah. Here we are, you know, four or five years later, and Brooklyn's future is a whole lot brighter than Boston's. I think. So it's the difference. If you get all these draft picks and all this cap space, what do you do with it? Brooklyn looks great right now with what they were able to do. Now, the Knicks, <laughs> the Knicks are going to be the Knicks. Like, the, the Knicks have this this mythos that I don't understand other than they're in New York, right? Like, not to pick on – well, I'm going to pick, like, your Cowboys. They're America's team, but they haven't been to a Super Bowl in 20 years. You know, my Niners, I, I still think they're NFL elite haven't won a Super Bowl in 20-plus years. But the Knicks, we only have we have a, our, title. Our win is more recent than yours. Our win is more recent than y'all's. I'm just saying. Right. right. No, no. But I'm I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is we can still <laughs> say that because five Super Bowls is still five Super Bowls, right? You know, the right. Patriots yeah. uh, uh, The Patriots just won their fifth. Is that right? Or is their fifth? Uh, I hate you track, but – because uh, the Steelers six, have six. six, now you got a bunch of teams with five. But I say all that to say yes, I can put, I can put, uh, you know, we can still talk about your Cowboys mind in it because they're still up there. I look at what the Knicks have done, and other than being in New York, what is it? What? You know, these sports rights fall uh, over themselves that people should want to go to New York. Uh, somebody, I think it was Chris Boussard, and I don't know why I caught the clip on uh, Skip Bayless talking, pointed out the Knicks haven't even been remotely good since Kevin Durant 
has been of age. You know, the Knicks made it to the 99 yeah. finals off that, you know, that just horrendous, you know, shortened season. You know, went to the uh, 94 finals, losing to your Rockets. But other than that, what have they done? They've given us some good moments. Spike Lee in the stands and, and Jordan quieting the Madison Square Garden crowd and Reggie Miller quieting the Madison Square Garden crowd. And, <laughs> but what have the Knicks done to be elevated? You know, when when free agency rolls around and people start talking about this destination, that destination, uh, why would the Knicks be on anybody's top five list? Why? <laughs> The Knicks yeah. last won a championship with Willis Reed in 1970. The Willis Reed game. That's a long time ago. That's a lot. That was against Wilt Chamberlain's Lakers. That's it. You know, people like to, oh, the Lakers have been bad. The Lakers are the Knicks. No. <laughs> no. As I have pointed out, the difference is this. The Lakers have been good in your lifetime. They have. Right? They've won back-to-back championships on three separate occasions in our lifetime. It's not the same. But the Knicks and the Madison Square Garden crowd, they want you to buy into this. But the Knicks are terrible. Terrible. I saw a clip, and I think I tweeted it out, a, a little uh, blurb. Over the last 20 years, you know who has the worst record in the NBA? The New York Knicks. Despite the fact that the last five years for the Lakers have been objectively terrible, over the last 20 years, they are number five in wins and tied for second with five championships. So while the Lakers, you know, have had this rough patch, the Knicks have had a generation of basketball. Two generations before they were any good. What the Knicks have done in the last 30 years, the Mavericks have done. Two final appearances, the Mavs even won one. Right? You know, it's what the Pistons have done. Since the bad boys, win one, go to another final, right? So <laughs> pump the brakes. And, and, and even the Celtics, and I give them trouble because their last 30 years have been horrific, they still have that claim to fame. They still got more titles than anybody. What do the, how are the Knicks part of the elite? Two titles? <laughs> the Heat have three, and the Heat have only been in operations for 30 years. <laughs> oh, come on! Oh, man. <laughs> True. I, I, I just and I, it's I not going to change until I'm Dolan leaves. It's not going to change as long as Dolan's there. Absolutely, no one wants to go there. There is a culture, no matter how bad I think that the Lakers front office has been, and they've been shaky. Ever since trying to, you know, signing Dwight Howard and and and, and Steve Nash, the, the front office has not been. They haven't been the Knicks though, 
and whatever people say about their morally down there in Houston, Houston, about the only team that could have beat them the last two postseasons was the Warriors. And, you know, unfortunately, that's who they had to play. You can't even say that that is, is, is totally dysfunctional. The Knicks are just a, are a dumpster fire. And it's not going to change until Dolan steps down. But even before Dolan, the Knicks weren't good. The Knicks claimed the fame yeah. over the last 30 years. You know, if it wasn't for John Starks in game seven, yeah, okay. Other than that, <laughs> it, we took the Bulls to game seven. You know, we made Michael Jordan really have to work. Or Reggie Miller. I mean, that's their claim over 30 years. 40 years. I mean, it's, remember, uh, we had, remember we had Lynn Sanity? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was, that was cool. <laughs> I mean, that, that's been the extent of it. So things have just changed. And that's why I'm trying to tell people about the Lakers. The Lakers are still the Lakers. I know you can be a star anywhere. We, we've seen that, you know, Dame Lillard out in Portland and, and, and even uh, uh, Mitchell uh, out, in, uh, out in Utah. We, we've seen people kind of be stars, all this kind of stuff. The Lakers are still the Lakers. That, you know, I, I said this last week. I'm going to keep saying it. Well, ha, 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 Lakers. Again, 75 NBA Finals have taken place, 75. The Lakers have appeared in 31 NBA Finals. Less, just a little bit less than half. That's insane. Again, that's like a, a football team, NFL, going to 26 Super Bowls. Or an, uh, in an MLB team having been to 55 World Series. That is insane. Insane. That's why Lakers fans are, are, are a little bit, I don't know, cocky, needy, whatever you want to say. That's why. We're used to winning. <laughs> you know? <laughs> We talk about at Kentucky, we don't put up a banner for anything short of a Final Four. Just like in Boston, the Lakers don't put up anything unless it's a world championship. Which is why I laugh at the Clippers for putting up their division title from a couple years ago. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I did have a picture on my phone of that one lone Clippers, you know, division title, you know, Pacific division title banner. And it's nestled among the 16 championship banners of the Lakers, and the L.A. Kings have had a couple. The Sparks have had a couple. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's me being petty. But, you know, that, that's why the Lakers are the Lakers. No team sure. in the history of sports, outside of maybe the Yankees, have relied on star power like the Lakers. This is what they do. This is when they have success. Shaq and Kobe. Magic and Kareem. Right? I mean, you look back at their history, you know, from moving out to L.A., Elgin Baylor and Jerry West, star power. Two, two of the five best players in the league. That's, that's the way the Lakers operate, and I'm glad 
at least I don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi. Apparently nobody does. <laughs> but even right now, I feel confident the Lakers are going to be better than they have been. Because, and I know I've rambled a little bit, but let me just wrap this up with Lakers talk. I think that when we talk about super-duper stars, those elite top ten all-time guys, I think LeBron's going to be able to make that transition from 1A to 1B better than most. So over the next couple of years, as AD continues to go up, I think, and this is just me, I don't have I have no sources. I think you and I are the only people in the NBA Twitter that don't have any sources on this kind of thing. I feel that LeBron's <laughs> going to be able to make that transition a little bit easier just because of how he's how he's made up. But that we'll we'll see, you know, whether or not Kawhi comes, I still feel the Lakers can get in that top half of the uh, playoffs for next year and at that point anything anything can happen. So that was me rambling about a whole bunch of stuff. My little two cents on it, too. As far as the Knicks, like we mentioned, Dolan, it won't change. Dolan makes me okay, less upset that Jerry Jones owns the Cowboys. When I, I look over there and say, oh, we could be in worse shape than we are. When with Jerry, and Jerry gets on our nerves, but look, we could have Dolan. So that, that, put things into perspective for my fandom for the Cowboys from the ownership standpoint. When you had Andre Iguodala on, I forget what shows it was, but he just straight up said, and, you know, he's in the know and he knows who's going where because, you know, the players talk. But he said, ain't nobody going to New York. He said it before Freddie started. And then the Knicks went out and whiffed on all of the big names. And this is the summer they've been waiting for. And this, look, no disrespect to Julius Randle, glad he got three years, $63 million. But this was the next time to load up and hit a home run and make a splash because they actually positioned themselves to actually do something and get some elite guys, and they got nobody and then had to kind of scramble around and, well, we got to throw this money to somebody, but here, let's see what we can do. Uh, so you had Iguodala basically saying, they're not going to get anybody. That's all you, all you need to know. And then when you have other people, Knicks fans, fans of the media, half joking but with a touch of seriousness saying, maybe, you know, the security guards shouldn't have restrained Oakley so much when he was really trying to get at Dolan. <laughs> that's how they feel about the guy. That tells you all you need to know. So uh, that's why the Knicks are perpetually the Knicks. And, you know, we, we still just see them spinning their wheels for the past, you know, 40 years outside of those highlights that you mentioned. As for your Lakers, you know, the fact that, you, like you said, we don't know how to lose. We don't know how to handle long patches of uh, futility, which I love it. I wish they could struggle from now on, but it looks like, they're trying to get it together and turn it around. You got AD there, LeBron there. The Jared Dudley signing, that is smart. He is 32-33, a veteran. Go go in there and make the minimum. Know his role. Hush his mouth. Do whatever dirty work needs to be done. That is a smart signing. I want to see what kind of shooting y'all get 
but that looks like another step in the right direction for you all, as bad as I hate to admit it. Uh, got to see what the coaching staff's going to do and all that, but Dudley is perfect. We got all that star power. You know, you still think you're going to get Kawhi. I don't. Maybe you do, but you got the two heavy hitters in Braun and AD. A guy like Jared Dudley is perfect. He can hit three. He can guard guys bigger than him. He can step in there and rebound. He can, you know, bring the ball up if you need him to. You saw what he was doing with New Jersey or Brooklyn against the Sixers. You know, going up against Embiid and Simmons. and You know, he's been around. He's not going to be scared of anybody. Not going to be intimidated to play alongside of Bron and AD. And he's going to bring that scrappy hustle, lunch pail stuff that the glamorous L.A. Lakers need. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, a lot of movement. I think Jimmy Butler in Miami. I'm not the biggest Jimmy Butler fan, but I get it. Uh, he, he thinks that he's he can be a, a, a lead dog on a great team. I, I'm not sold on it, but if the Heat thinks he's that guy and he thinks he's that guy, why not? Uh, you know, go ahead and, and, and do that. Um, I haven't seen where uh, – been kind of looking on uh, DeMarcus Cousins, where he's going to go. You know, I think people are undervaluing him uh, because of the injury. He may not be as explosive as he once was, but he still has, I think, as a skill set. As we saw in flashes in the finals, I still think he can be a piece uh, on a winning team. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein signing with uh, Golden State. I think that's a good move. He obviously yeah. he's not buying into what Sacramento is doing, and and you know in a couple of years we make <laughs> De'Aaron Fox do the same thing uh, with that franchise. Even though they had a good a good swing, and then they fire the coach. I don't I don't get that. Yeah, I, that's just yeah. we talked about it at the time that you're mm-hmm. the king, and this is the last glimpse. This is the best you've been in six or seven seasons. You should be able to ride that out. They they didn't. Uh, so Darius Miller re-signing two years, fourteen point five million with the, the uh, with the Pelicans. Uh, a, another one of those Kentucky uh, high school legends that you know he had, was in the NBA, had to play, I think in the in the G League for a little bit. And he's back and made a name for himself. I wish him nothing but the absolute best. He's worked hard uh, for that. So a lot of a lot of things uh, to keep up with. Jamal Murray, Denver is all in on him, yeah. thinking he's going to make that that next leap. Uh, he gets that max deal. So um, we're getting to the point, you know, now that we're kind of ten years into uh, the John Calipari uh, experience, that that now we're seeing his guys really truly start to impact the league, not just putting up numbers, but with deep playoff runs with playing on the biggest stage. It's only going to get it's only going to get better. It's only going to uh, improve from there. Yeah. I'm going to backtrack on a couple of things, you know, some stuff that we don't get to and it's still worth flashing back to talk about, you know, because even when it's slow, sometimes we don't get to everything we want to. This one, I mean, it's funny, it's random, but I had to get your thoughts because of where – took place. We talked a lot about 
Memphis on here. We talked about the 901. We talked about you being from Louisville and having to adjust to even going down to Memphis to hoop when you played down there. Talked about how your mother and father would not even take pictures of Memphis and Louisville shirts on because it was that serious. We talked about how, you know, they're going to ride and die with Penny no matter what, and they don't care what anybody else says, and, you know, they will defend their own fiercely. So being that this happened in Memphis, and this a couple weeks ago when it was making the news and on social media and all that, but the dude at the Memphis minor league game, straight up 9-1, that was eating mayonnaise out the jar. Now, if you being as close to Memphis as you are, having family there, and how is how are Memphians feeling about that dude? Is he if he's from Memphis, is that cool? Or is even people from Memphis like, look, we what you doing eating mayonnaise? It's funny, it's random, it's silly. He seemed to be perfectly comfortable eating mayonnaise and spilling on his shirt at the game out of that five-gallon bucket of mayo. So I just want to see what you think because you got a finger on the pulse of Memphis more so than anybody else I know. So I had to get your thoughts on Memphis mayo, dude. Well, I got I got to check on that because uh, Mama Bee's out there now visiting. <laughs> She's not that way now. But mayonnaise straight out of the tub, that, that's, that's something that's beyond me. <laughs> Did you see him? Did you see the clip of him eating it a couple weeks ago? Did I, 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 I did. I did. But my thing is, how do you get that? How do you get that in there? Like, do you just? Because you can't walk in with stuff. Like, do you just go to the concession stand and say, "Hey, give me all the mayonnaise"? I got a lot of questions about that as well. Yeah, yeah. Like he just walked back there and got it from behind the. You know, he just walked back and behind the hot dog stand and came to the seat with it. Cause, like you said, you can't you can't get through the gate with it. For sure. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, but since it was Memphis, straight 901, I just I was just wondering. I meant to ask a couple of weeks ago, back when this was more relevant, but uh, you know, just to see what everybody was thinking. It was like even people on Bill Street giving him a side eye because that was just too much. I can't do just straight mayo like that. Uh, I can't do that either. Um, another topic that has just continued, sadly, to be a topic and continues to be a topic, and it's not going to stop being a topic. We talk horse racing, May, leading up to the Derby, and then, of course, the Derby was was ridiculous this year and uh, led to Belmont, not even, I don't even, I still don't even know who won it. But we talk our three races every year. We talk about how Zola's getting ready for the Derby. You're right there, how your city prepares each and every year. We talk about the Derby, and then normally we see if we have uh, what the Derby winner does in the Preakness, and then are we talking about a triple crown for the Belmont? That's that's how it goes. Wasn't the case this year. Here we are talking horse racing again because look, Santa Anita has been a topic for way too long. We hadn't talked about it, but these horses that have been continuing to pass away at that track for mysterious reasons. It's about as mysterious as whatever was happening down in the Dominican Republic. You know, whatever's going on down there, whatever's going on in Santa Anita, I mean, really, let's, let's try to get a handle on both of those. But they are keeping the Breeders' Cup at Santa Anita TV with 
30 horses, and hopefully not counting, already passing away. They decide not to relocate the Breeders' Cup to a different track. They're still going to keep it there. They're still going to run it there. Probably the Benji's race left on the schedule this year. They're still going to, oh, let's have it at this track that has been a house of horrors for several horses over these past few months. I was a little shocked by that because this has been an ongoing thing for a long time at Santa Anita. Horses just, I, I mean, it's, 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 it's very, it's, it's an issue. And I would have thought that they, powers that be would have moved, uh, would have moved it. Um, but the Breeders' Cup, but I know there's logistics and all that kind of stuff. What you don't want to have happen is almost what we came within inches of having here at the Derby. You don't want a catastrophe when all eyes are on you. Because you've got your, when it comes to horse racing, you've got your triple crown races, obviously with the Derby being the biggest of the crown jewel races. And then you've got the Breeders' Cup. Those are your big events for horse racing. And so you don't want controversy or a catastrophe to mar any of that. So I, I, I don't know, I don't want to pretend that I'm some kind of horse uh, person. I, I'm not outside of what I pretend to be the week leading up to Derby, but just the optics <laughs> of what's going on at Santa Anita is definitely, definitely an issue. First of all, the week leading up to Derby, I can't tell if I'm talking to you or Randy Moss. I mean, I really don't know. It's that, you know, the knowledge is spews from you. I really can't Tell a difference, honestly. I'm just saying. Um, but if I'm an owner, I, why, how, why are they still even taking their horses to the track? I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, we're on strike. We ain't racing here until y'all get this fixed. But that obviously hasn't been the case. I know there's a ton of money to be made and all this, but y'all got a ton of money. That's why y'all already. Wealthy owners. I'm pulling my horse. You know, you see these preseason games, you know, like down there in Mexico when, when uh, was it? The, it might have been the regular season game. Was the Chiefs and Rams initially was supposed to be there or something? And they, you know, ended reading yeah. them like, like, we ain't playing on this field. We ain't playing here. Yeah. We are not going to play. Why can't these owners say, we are not going to race? Our horses aren't coming through these gates and running on this track. Y'all get this situation fixed, but that's not happened. It, it, I mean, ten horses died. Races continue because we had twenty horses die. Now we have to thirty horses die. Why? Why risk that? You know, it's on the track to fix it, but to me, it's on the owners that keep taking that chance and hoping it doesn't end tragically for their horses. Yeah, that's why I was concerned. I know they had a big meeting, I guess, last week or so about perhaps moving the Breeders' Cup, and I think Churchill Downs was going to be ready to step in uh, for that. Yeah. But, um, you know, you hope for the best. You know, was it playing for the worst, hope for the best, something like that. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, and I mean, I don't have an answer. I'm not asking you to have an answer. But I was, I just knew they were going to move it. Like, oh, yes, they're going to. They're gonna move this and, and relocate it. 
even though it's gonna be a trouble and, and inconvenience and all that, they're gonna they're gonna they're not gonna run the bridge cup there and lo and behold they are. Just as a same example, you know, I listen to Steve Harvey in the morning a little bit and he has this event it's called Sand and Soul where you can, you know, kinda of like a little couple's getaway three or four days, they take a different pick a different island, different tropical place in the fall. If you want to get your tickets, you want to register to go. They have a lot of comedians there, a lot of singers there. Uh, just a big, fun music comedy weekend uh, at a beautiful location, a beautiful resort. You know, everything's all inclusive, the whole bit. And this year, it was going to be at Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic. They've been hyping it. They've been promoting it. You know, we're going to have, I can't, can't remember the artist. I don't know if it's Anita Baker. I don't know who else is going to be there. Big time artists gonna be there. Lots of comedians. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be hilarious. It's gonna have a good time. It's gonna be awesome. And a few days ago, they 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 said, look, we don't want y'all to think we haven't been paying attention to what's been going on in the Dominican Republic. And Steve basically said, look, I'm gonna have to eat some money, but I don't care because I'm not gonna have people going down here worried. We are gonna locate, relocate. The San Soul event to the Moon Palace in Cancun. You know, if you're not able to make it or mess with your plans, you will get a full refund. You can still come. You know, the flights to Cancun are cheap. Just come on, and we still gonna have fun anyway. But we're just not gonna risk having everybody come down to the Dominican in light of everything that's going on. We'll just move it to the Moon Palace in Cancun, which is off the chain anyway. Well, that's a great resort. My wife was there and I were there years ago, so I'm sure it's even better now than it was then. So based on that, I just would have assumed the owners would have done that for Santa Anita, but obviously they chose not to. And I was just shocked, you know. Uh, we hadn't talked about it, but like you said, it's been ongoing and ongoing and ongoing, and they still – are going to take that chance and run it there and just hopefully nothing tragic happens when all those eyes are going to be on that track for those British Cup races. I certainly I certainly hope so. I don't want to uh, – you definitely don't want any, any tragedy. I just would have thought they would have moved it. We've seen, as you talked about with NFL, they've, they've done that before. Uh, but – Simply strange. Absolutely. Now, coming up on Sunday, we're going to have the Women's World Cup final. The U.S. Women's National Team will be one of the teams there because they survived and advanced with a 2-1 to victory over England yesterday. And Megan Rapino has been up in all of the action all tournament long. Got a hand in something, got a goal, doing this, doing that, you know. After, you know, once they finished blowing those first round teams out, and then when the games got close and competitive, Megan Rapino has been the straw that's stirring the drink. And then, boom, it pops up. She's not starting yesterday, and it's not for disciplinary action. Like, oh, my goodness. And they were able to get the win without her yesterday. Actually, um, Press, the girl's last name is Press, 
got the first goal, who's actually it's seven inches, you know. Yeah, she gets the goal. So that like that immediately that move paid off immediately. Put them up one to nothing. They went up, end up winning two to one. You know, England scores nine minutes later. Then twelve minutes later, they get the go ahead goal. The huge save on the penalty kick um, from the goaltender there was uh, Elisa Nair was awesome as well. And now they're playing in the final on Sundays. We hadn't talked a lot about TV, but 11 a.m. Sunday, U.S. Women's National Team will be playing for the Cup. Big, 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 big time win. I think uh, we'll, we'll talk. We got Adam coming up here in just a little bit. Adam Jacoby is going to come on and, and talk about that. Uh, not only are they winning, but you have to love the celebration. And, and Alex Morgan with the sipping the tea for England, you know, the, the, the women's team, for whatever reason, and, and it's crazy to me that of all the teams we've seen internationally, that this women, the women's team, the U.S. women's team, this is the team that everybody is, is jumping on. This is the team that uh, people are saying are, are not classy and all this kind of stuff. And it, I've seen people say, well, this isn't what soccer is all about. Have you seen, on the, particularly on the men's side, what happens when they score a goal? It's like they've discovered the cure for cancer. Like, it's, it's like the first caveman that discovered <laughs> fire and brought fire back. I mean, it is ridiculous. These ladies are great. They are fantastic uh, I, I just I, I don't get it, and and for for England to talk about you know and everybody likes the the uncouth Americans and all this kind of stuff. I'm like you're England, you know the the reason America is even as a country is because England thought they could have influence across an entire ocean. So don't before there was even American arrogance, the English had perfected it. You know, I was looking, and I made this tweet yesterday. Uh, there are only 22 countries in the world that England did not try to colonize during the rise of the British Empire. 22 countries worldwide. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they, 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 you know, like countries like India and America, and they had settlements in Canada. I mean, just all across the world. But Americans are bad because we celebrate with, at a sporting event. Pump your brakes in England. Pump your brakes. You know, uh, the, what these women are doing, world, the World Cup is the biggest event in the world. Bar none. When you score a goal at the World Cup, you should be able to celebrate. The easiest way to keep the Americans from celebrating is don't let them score a goal. I'm all, that's the life I'm all about right now. Did you get a little bit concerned when you saw Rapino wasn't going to be starting? Because it was, I mean, you was mm-hmm. starting for the game and, ooh. I, I saw that. Uh, absolutely, I, I saw that. And um, it's a concern. I mean, she scored the two goals against France. I mean, that's, that's right. Difficult. That's, that's, that's any team going without not their star. But uh, I was also confident that uh, because Kristen Press, who stepped in for her, 
uh, has been on the team. This is the moment was it was not like we had to go to a rookie, right? It's not like we had to go to someone that wasn't proven on 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 that um, on that stage. So uh-huh. for me, uh, yeah, of course, worried, but by the same same token, uh, I, I think you. Uh, Obviously, it, was, it, it worked out okay. I'd love to see her in the championship yeah. game Sunday. I think we definitely need need that uh, for we, – we definitely need that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But today was and, – and a lot of people were – I don't know if it was just trying to spin it or play the half glass full the, – the glass half full card, but, you know, everybody's talking about we're pressed. You know, she's fresh. She doesn't have as much wear and tear on her legs as everybody else because she hasn't played as much. But she's not going to be overwhelmed by the stage. <clears throat> and so that made you feel a little bit better. And then, of course, she came right in and, and scored the goal. And it's like a a pitcher that brings in a, a mat, you know, a reliever, a manager that brings in a pitcher, a relief pitcher that makes you scratch your head, and then he ends up getting the crucial double play that he needs, and it works out. You're like, oh, okay. So that's kind of what it was like. Like, oh, when she she stepped in, got the goal, came in, then boom, uh, they were kind of off and running. And they do play so well when they get the first goal and jump out and, and get that early lead, and they were able to do that again against England the other day. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, you have to feel good. I, I don't know anything about the Dutch team that they'll be playing. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on uh, – on uh, women's soccer, <laughs> but you have to feel good about the Americans uh, watching just a little bit. Uh, well, I watched the entire game. Uh, I was able to catch that, uh, the England game. Uh, you got to feel good about their chance. You, you get to, you reach that point. I don't think it's going to be like it was. I think uh, the last go around where they, it was like six, one, six, two over Japan with Carly Lloyd having three goals in the first, you know, ten minutes of the game, it seemed like. It probably won't be like that, but it'll definitely be uh, – it'll definitely – I, I think the, the Americans would have to be favored. Absolutely. <clears throat> so I know our guest is coming up three or four minutes, Adam Jacoby. What can you tell us about him before he gets on the line and you know you intro him and – Well, he's coming straight out of Iowa, and uh, I've been following him for a while. Uh, He's a Cubs fan, so that's part of the uh, appeal as well. Uh, But Iowa, uh, we're going to talk a little Mark Stoops. You know, Mark Stoops played at Iowa, so there's a little bit of a connection Mm -hmm. there. Uh, He's Adam is a good. Uh, kind of go-to guy for, for puns on the Twitter.com. Uh, so, but big time into Iowa, uh, the Hawkeyes, uh, a little bit of the Cyclones, you know, Northern Iowa, uh, those kinds of things as well. So uh, want to have him on, just talk, you know, Iowa Cubs, you know, World Cup uh, stuff. Really, really a great, great follow, and I'm glad he was able to uh, to come on. Yeah, yeah. Definitely looking forward to chatting with him and be over here in a couple minutes. Um, 
Matter of fact, let's take a quick break again and be ready to roll for the second uh, the, the second half of the second hour, and we'll have Adam Jacoby on, and we'll finish rolling with the rest of the show. Cast up with a Vinnie Hardy, Terry Brown, Brandon Hardy Radio Network, and reflecting on Jerry Lorenzen, as well as other notes and topics that have caught our eyes and ears uh, on the sad day for the BBN. So we'll be right back after this song and a quick break. <laughs> TB, man, I misunderstood your text. <laughs> I thought Adam was going to call in, but I won't give him a call. That is on me. Man. I got him. That is my. I know. I got him okay. on the line right now. Cool. Yeah, we're good to go. All right. My bad. Cool, cool, cool. My fault, y'all. My bad. No, we're good. We've got right, yeah, bring him on, intro him up. And, yeah. yeah. We got Adam Jacoby on the line, co-owner of Go Iowa Awesome. So we're reaching out to the Midwest uh, here. <laughs> Here uh, for the 4th of July, kind of like uh, with the presidential primaries coming up, everything kind of starts with Iowa. So, Mr. Adam Jacoby, welcome to uh, Cats Talk Wednesday. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. I uh, I, I feel a little weird being on a, um, a, a Louisville – or, uh, pardon me, pardon me, Louisville uh, <laughs> radio <laughs> station. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I, I feel like I've walked in, like, the wrong room on accident. 
but hopefully uh, I'll be able to uh, entertain you guys for a little bit. Well, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, I know that Iowa's kind of your, your neck of the woods, so you cover the Hawkeyes. Basically, my Iowa experience kind of begins, well, it used to begin and end with Dan Gable. I wrestled mm-hmm. in high school, and, and you know, there was a camp there and all that kind of stuff. So that was what I knew of Iowa from, from way back it, when. But there's, there's more to it. The Hawkeyes are, are pretty good kind of across the board. Is that right? Yeah. So the um, – in, in, interesting story, by the way. Um, my, uh, my old man, my dad, went to high school at Dan Gable. Waterloo West High School, Waterloo, Iowa. So uh, – uh, Mr. Gable has been an Iowa boy through and through. We even look past the uh, Iowa State um, that he went to college there. You, you know, we we look past these things. He made the right choice as a professional, as an adult, <laughs> and uh, and we celebrate him to this day. Uh, but no, uh, Iowa is uh, you know we've got a pretty good basketball team. It's um, some some call us the uh, the Kentucky Wildcats of Johnson County. <laughs> and the, uh, the football team is good. Uh, the women's basketball team is very good. Uh, and the baseball team is actually uh, competitive. They went to the uh, playoffs uh, not too long ago, uh, not this past year, but uh, they're, they're actually holding their own there. So uh, I dare say it's a great time, uh, great time to be a Hawkeye, gentlemen. Right, and, and, and wrestling has kind of been that constant as well, too. Yes, yes, always has been, and uh, you know it, it's sort of sad to see the uh, sport become more regionalized over the last few uh, decades. But uh, it will always, uh, from the youth on up, have a home in the state of Iowa. And I was telling Vinny that I was going to have you on. He was like, "Okay, is it just going to be Iowa talk?" I said, "Not too much." <laughs> even even though we are thankful for Mark Stoops, who has has, has taken what he learned at Iowa and turned around Kentucky football. No easy task at all with that one. Yeah, no, I, I've, been, uh, I've been very pleasantly surprised with uh, how Mark Stoops uh, and his career have gone uh, at Kentucky. You know, they uh, announced him in, I want to say, 2013, and, uh, and he's still got a losing record. But um, the fun thing is uh, his career path reminds me uh, a little bit of uh, Kirk Ferentz, who is uh, entering his 21st season. Uh, 2002, when uh, he took Iowa to the Rose Bowl, or excuse me, the Orange Bowl, uh, Kirk Ferentz still had a losing record, uh, not only as Iowa's coach, but as a head coach at, at any level. So uh, if, if this season is the one where the, where the Wildcats uh, take a leap, then, uh, and I, I, I understand that, uh, this might be another one of those next step type of seasons. Uh, it won't surprise me that much because we've seen it before, and uh, the, the Midwest boys uh, know how to turn a program around. Well, we, we certainly hope that that is a step in the right direction. Now, I have followed you for a on Twitter.com, mm-hmm. Adam underscore Jacoby, for those folks out there that want to give you a follow. I followed for the pun, but there's a, so, so much more. Uh, out there, uh, we were just talking about the World Cup before you came on with the mm-hmm. women, and you and I are on the same page about this with the Piers Morgan and the other folks complaining about the 
the women, and they're celebrating. What's your take on this quote-unquote controversy? They need to they need to be quiet. <laughs> the 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 U.S. Women's National Team is doing exactly what they need to do because they're on the biggest stage. They play hard. They play right, and their celebrations are not offensive, right? Like it, it's not like you know, Randy Moss. I didn't even have a problem with Randy Moss, but you know, it's not like they're doing anything vulgar, and they're also not out there to protect anybody else's feelings. Right, That's not the point of the World Cup. The point of the World Cup is to compete at the highest level, win, and take that back home. That, uh, that's all there is to it. And so when, uh, when Alex Morgan pretends to sip a little tea and all of the uh, – and there, there's a lot of levels to that, a lot right. of them. Absolutely. Uh, and, like, I don't want to hear that Pierce is upset or, or whatever like, British commentator is upset that's disrespectful. So what? Keep her from scoring a goal, and you won't have to see it ever again. You know. So it, it, this is this is part of competition. It's part of celebration. These are human beings, and they're allowed to be happy about what they're doing, especially when they're doing it better than anybody else in the world. And 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 that's where I come in on that. And, and I'm not going to expert. I don't watch every single World Cup match, but I assume there's some kind of celebration, some kind of gesticulation after you score a goal on the biggest stage of your sport. I mean, right. I, I, I'd be ridiculous not to. Yeah, I, I don't understand the hand-wringing except for people who say, oh, the ugly Americans are, are at it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eng- England scored a goal. I saw them celebrate. Yeah. So I don't understand this, this ugly Americans when really of all of our international teams, uh, I, I think the women's, National soccer team is probably the best behaved of all of them. I haven't heard a single complaint out of any of the competitors. Right. I haven't seen any of the other women on that field um, complain to the refs about any of the celebration, uh, complain to reporters or at press conferences afterwards. The actual people playing the game don't care. You know, it's it's a manufactured controversy by people who want to play fun police, and there's enough of that in like the NFL. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's such an exhausting way to go about watching sports. Just like enjoy the, the fun thing and be happy about it. Don't don't try to make this into a. Are they too happy? You know that's. I I have no patience for that type of stuff. And so, uh, okay. so we're, we're watching uh, the championship game on Sunday, right? We're going to watch that on Twitter because mm-hmm. I don't know That's anything about I don't know anything about the Dutch. Uh, I know they wear they're the orange team, I believe. So I don't mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but I am going to root for our ladies, obviously, uh, to win that. Yeah, I. I I understand the exact same amount about the Dutch. Uh, I could not tell you a single person on that team. I can't tell you anything about the way they play. Uh, I didn't even watch any of their game uh, this afternoon. So, like, I, I – and, and frankly, I haven't been able to tell you anything about any of the opponents that uh, women have played. Like, I, that's, that's a little beyond my scope. 
but I don't care. Like it's still fun. It, it that doesn't take away from from any of the uh, of the excitement. And so, you know, it, it, we as a group, as Twitter, uh, we're all just going to log on, get our tweets off, and uh, hopefully have something to celebrate at uh, approximately 1 p.m. Eastern. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Uh, outside of your Iowa uh, stuff, you also are a Cubs fan, a fan of yes, Chicago I Cubs. Uh, I am a Cubs fan by relationship. <laughs> relationship <laughs> now. Uh, <laughs> you're a Cubs fan uh, at gunpoint. At gunpoint, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, long-time Expos fan. You know, the Expos mm-hmm. went away. I'm a, a sport vagabond. And now – you know, I don't think I need to tell the fellas out there, when you're in a relationship, what she likes, you kind of like as well. But I will mm-hmm. say that, that the Cubs have, the Cubs fans kind of welcomed me in and everything like that. Took a trip to Wrigley last year, loved it. So I'm kind of all forward there. Uh, I'm kind of new to following baseball team, like in-depth on Twitter. Mm-hmm. The Cubs, I saw their one game out of the division right now. But if you look at Cubs Twitter, you, you, you think that they, you know, they were the Baltimore Orioles. Is that, <laughs> is that typical or is that just kind of, you know, you know, woe is us. I know they had a kind of a brutal end to last season. I think they played, you know, what, 40 games with only one day off, something like that in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've been really good here the last few years. Is this just people, the sky's falling, or is there something legitimate to be worried about if you're a Cubs fan? Well, they're, they're, they're not playing as well as uh, expectations would have it, and that's that's always a uh, sort of a poisonous game to play is expectations, right? Because if, if every single fan base said, all right, we're going to 81 and 81 this year, uh, and if we do any better, then that's fantastic, then I think Cubs fans would be pretty happy, but uh, in light of the last few years, in light of the fact that the uh, – <clears throat> and I'm not sure everybody knows this, but the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, the, the Chicago <laughs> Cubs, uh, the, the Major League World Series in 2016. Uh, and so that that weighs on everybody, especially because they, um, you know, they didn't win in 17, uh, didn't win in 18. They had sort of that – it would be called a collapse if it weren't for the fact that Milwaukee won, like – 12 straight games. Um, but it, it, they, you know, blew a division lead and then lost the, the wild card game last year. And, uh, you know, this, this team is not performing as well as it should, especially for the fact that, um, you know, from a run differential perspective, from a payroll perspective, from a, you know, on paper, uh, you know, this, these guys should be playing at some you know, level, uh, they're they're not playing up to that. And the rest of the uh, central being, um, and this is going to be a, a scientific, advanced stats term, um, hot garbage, uh, I, I believe is the term. Uh, the, the fact that they can't even um, maintain the lead in the division is uh, is worrisome. And I I think a lot of fans are worried more than anything that the window for uh, getting back to a, another deep playoff run. Uh, might be closing. And I, I think we all wanted, as soon as we got the one World Series win in 2016, um, 
everyone was hungry for another. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure advances in medicine are going to allow us to wait another 108 years for the next one. It, and, and that's part of it, right? You, you get the one. Like you tell yourself yeah. from uh, you know, 1908 to 2016, hey, if we can just get the one, it kind of reminds me of uh, Bill Simmons. He wrote the book when the Sox finally won. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now I can die in peace. Yes, but but then you look around. And you're like, well, we're still in contention every year. We mm-hmm. should get another one. So you go from just Lord, let me see the one to dear Lord, why can't we? Why can't we put together you know four or five really good games in a row? It's like you're saying uh, on that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, another thing that Bill Simmons came up with is the um, five year honeymoon, and, with, uh, and it was right after that um, Red Sox win and. Uh, the concept obviously is if your team wins a championship, no complaining for five years, right? Because they just won a championship and that's a really hard thing to do. But like you said, they weren't built for just one good year. Their core has been in place more or less um, for the last four or five years. And it looks like they're already backsliding before, you know, having to mortgage the team and blow it up and, you know, go for the youth movement all over again. And so, you know, it's just frustrating. And the idea of a five-year honeymoon sounds a lot better uh, (laughs) when you're not actually uh, going through the tough, uh, again, tough relative to expectations, but the tough season. So, um, you know, they they just called up a kid, uh, Robel Garcia, who'd played in Italy for like the last five seasons, and everyone's excited about this. So we're, we're all we're all a little on edge right now. We just, just a, a five game winning streak, and I, I think a lot of these problems just smooth themselves over. And, and called them from not from sure. the I Cub, is that right? That's correct. Uh, the the AAA Iowa Cubs are uh, based right here in Des Moines, so that's where I got my fandom. Uh, I've I've been a sufferer ever since, uh, and wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> it, I, yeah, I'm not I trying to throw salt in the wounds. Oh, oh, go ahead, dude. I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not trying to throw salt in y'all's wounds for this year, but you know, the Braves did take five out of seven on the season, so there's that as well. Since, since y'all talking about it, so I, you know, anxiety and stuff. I just figured I'd throw that out there. I'm just saying. Now, the Braves are really good. Let, let me bring up the speed, Adam. So we, we do Kentucky stuff here. That's our main thing. But on uh-huh. everything else, Vinny and I disagree. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm Cubs now. He's Braves. I'm That's 49ers. Funny. He's – who are you again? Oh, 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 let me, let me, let me, let me just um, – I am – you know. How about them Cowboys? There we oh, go. Oh, boy. <laughs> You know he he's Rockets and I'm and I'm Lakers. So we we butt heads an awful awful lot on everything else. Just to to to, to get that little jab that he that he uh, that he put out there. We should have took well, three out of four in Wrigley. I'm a, I'm, I'm disappointed with the split, honestly. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> for you guys is the Lakers and Rockets are never good at the same time, so uh, it, it never actually matters in the postseason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's the, the one good thing is, you know, since we've been doing this show, 
the Niners and the Cowboys haven't been very good, mm-hmm. even though the Niners didn't yeah. make the Super Bowl, you know, more recently the Cowboys, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> I like the fun little thing you packed. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, when we look at the, you know, what the Lakers have done versus what the Rockets have done, you know, I mean, that's, you know, it is what it is. But they, they haven't really, you're right, they haven't really been good, really good at the same time for a long time. So when that happens, our show might become a little bit more contentious. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah, Ralph Sampson hit that funky buzzer beater. That's yeah. the last time. They, last time both of them were good, and Ralph Sampson hit that crazy buzzer beater in 86. Mm-hmm. NBA free agency. We kind of touched about this earlier, Adam. I know you, you kind of keep up with it a little bit. Are mm-hmm. you surprised by surprised? Excuse me, by Kevin Durant leaving Golden State? Do you think it was just a basketball thing, or did he have some ill will toward Golden State? I'm, I'm asking you to read the tea leaves here, you know, Stephen A. Smith. But but what's kind of your <laughs> thought on player movement and things like that? Well, I, you know, I, I'm not in that locker room. Uh, and I, but I've been in locker rooms, and I know, you know, people say things uh, when they get fired up, especially if uh, things aren't going perfectly. I get that, and uh, and you you learn to move past them pretty quickly. But um, it it really seems like the Warriors kept daring him to leave, and he did, <laughs> and so they. This this whole thing, how they're going to hang up the 35, and uh, oh, we, you know, no one's ever going to wear that number as long as I'm the GM and this and that. They got caught, but Draymond daring him to leave and saying we can win without you, uh, we, you know, we we won before you showed up, and the uh, the, the casual insults at the um, their their last uh, playoff parade, like. Someone as sensitive as Kevin Durant, and I don't mean sensitive in a negative way. It's okay to be, you know, sensitive to the way that people talk about you. Uh, it, you know, only sociopaths aren't. Uh, but somebody who is sensitive to the uh, extent that Durant is, you know, that we're talking about the same guy who made burner Twitter accounts to argue about Russell Westbrook and not get caught doing it. Like, <laughs> right? It's okay to be sensitive. But he totally is sensitive, and to to um, you know just so about the casual disrespect that that they did, not all the time, but enough. Uh, no, it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, and I I think they they got what they were asking for. The the Warriors, <laughs> it's the, you know sort of the the, the monkey's paw curse. <laughs> You're going to get what you wish for, unfortunately. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a little bit of that, and um, so so hopefully he's got something good coming his way uh, in Brooklyn because like the young man just needs a little bit of peace, I think, and and I I don't think teaming up with Kyrie Irving is the right way to do that, but <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my only thing. Is, oh, he's a he changed man. A, he's a new dude now. He's a changed man. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've got no stats to back this up other than me watching games, and I think 90% of Kyrie's assists happen because he picks up his dribble and can't get a shot off. Like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's any active looking for opening people. I could be wrong, but, 
But that's just the, the eye test there. So yeah. uh, I had a little rant earlier about kind of free agency and how fans are just – it's weird that it's only really with NBA free agency where people kind of take umbrage, and that's an English word for you, uh, mm. for you, Vinny, uh, with, with the amount of oh. money that people are making. Yeah. <laughs> My mother's an English teacher. I gotta <laughs> show off every now and then. Uh, but when it comes to free agency, why do you think people just are so out of it when it comes to the NBA free agency versus some of the other sports we might see? I mean, there's 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 some socioeconomic factors going into it. How how blunt do you want me to be? Because <laughs> well, you know exactly where I'm going with this. Yeah, and that's Rambling tweet. Yeah, 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 and 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 I think when it comes to the NBA, there's an awful lot of that, especially the people that prefer the college game to the NBA game. There's, mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no way, and I, I I said this earlier. My daughter plays in the orchestra in her middle school, and I mm-hmm. go to the orchestra concert, and it's great for what it is. But mm-hmm. there's no way I'm going to tell you because they want it more that that concert's better than the New York Philharmonic. Like that's right. I'm not going to say that. Like, say you prefer college, but don't tell me it's a better product. But I'm sorry, I, I cut, I cut you off. Go be as blunt as, be as blunt as you want. I, I asked to kind of pick your brain <laughs> because uh, I think there's there's a pretty large swath of the American population that doesn't like to see a whole lot of black men prosper. That there is in. That that sort of jealousy that well, he's just playing a game, that these thugs are playing a game and getting twenty million dollars. No, they they they're generating that much money. They're generating that money because they're so good at their job, and it's one of the most competitive, uh, physically demanding sports in, you know, all of uh, America. The the amount of, I mean, first of all, you have to be outrageously tall. <laughs> like, right. Like six, eight people in general are freaks. <laughs> to not only be that, but uh, athletic, um, have incredible endurance, uh, and to have that sort of kinetic um, uh, ability to uh, improvise, uh, yeah, kinetic improvisation is the term to, to, you know, be able to run a fast break and, um, you know, finish these sorts of things. Those are motor skills that most people don't have and can't develop. It's, it's incredible to watch, but the, but there's, there are some factors that a lot of people choose not to look past. Uh, and it's very damaging and I, it's sort of retrograde for society. And I, I really don't have any uh, regard for the people who talk like that. And I don't think that they think that they really, really think that the college game is better. I don't think even they believe that. And the reason is, one, college is like a worse version of the NBA. They're still trying to do the same things. They're just not as good at it. They miss all their open shots. And so if you really want – if these people were, were being honest and they really wanted a different-looking product, the WNBA would be more popular, right? Yeah. 
because exactly. it, it really is about the fundamentals in the WNBA. Their fundamentals are phenomenal. Uh, it really is about the passing. It's about the jump shooting and being able to convert these things. The WNBA is a fantastic product for that. I'm a subscriber, and I, I enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, I, I, I understand that it is not very popular, and usually people have some you know, other very convenient excuses that really don't hold up under scrutiny when what they really want to say is, I don't want to watch women play sports, right? It, it, right. It's more that um, bigotry by another name. So I, I really don't have any uh, regard for that. I, I, I'm right there with you because you don't hear that when a quarterback of the NFL signs for a ridiculous amount of money. No one's mm-hmm. counting his pockets. Like right. uh, Cousins that went from uh, Washington to Minnesota – you know, and he is barely above 500, but he gets this guaranteed. Let Kevin, let the Kevin Durant make that money. You know, that <laughs> right. Kirk Cousins has never been a top 10 quarterback in his life. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm 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 right there with you. So I had to kind of pick your 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 brain on that. But uh, before we let you go, uh, tell us kind of about what you do with your coverage of Iowa sports and and that kind of stuff, where we can kind of find you online and on the interwebs and all that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, go iowaawesome.com for the uh, probably one to two people listening to this who actually have an interest in Iowa sports. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, it, it's not straight news. We, do, uh, we have a lot of fun with the sports. We don't take it too seriously. Uh, we can laugh at the, the coaches. Uh, we keep it a good time. So it's go Iowa awesome, all one word.com. Uh, on the internet, my social media is Adam underscore Jacoby on Twitter, like you mentioned. Uh, the underscore is critically important. Uh, without the underscore, it's some uh, forensics teacher in Wisconsin who's had me blocked for years because of all the people who think he's me. <laughs> I feel sorry for that man, uh, Professor Jacoby. Uh, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I sincerely apologize. Uh, and uh, we tell jokes, we we tell puns, we uh, we retweet dogs. It's a great time. Yeah, and and that's why I'm glad we're able to have you on because you cover a lot of ground. I, yeah. It's, <laughs> hey, as, yeah. hey, real quick too. As far as Mark Stoops, you know, TV and I, we all know that he played there. And he's a little bit before our time. Was he just a cover guy? Was he a headhunter? Was he a hitter? Was he a little bit of both when he played? What was his game like when he was playing DB for Iowa? So uh, all the Stoops boys uh, played for Iowa, which was really cool. And uh, and all the Stoops boys knew how to hit. And uh, so they were among uh, some of the very best teams that uh, hit the field for Iowa in the in the last 50 years or so. In the late 80s, uh, when Iowa was going to the Rose Bowl, uh, there was always a Stoops in the backfield, uh, the defensive backfield. So, um, yeah, he was, he was a mean dude, and it doesn't surprise me that he's uh, a head coach now. Cool. Cool. I always wonder, because, I mean, he's not the tallest dude. You know, we still decide I've covered some press conferences, and I just wonder what his, what his game was like. And, you know, we've seen that. Throwed out redhead on the on the Iowa football card. So yeah, I just had to ask that. <laughs> it, 
I've, I've got to see him at practice. If he's got those defensive back skills right today, because that's where mm-hmm. uh, he is mostly at practice, yelling out things, barking out things. Like I think most coaches are kind of, you know, on the sidelines. He's coaching the defense from the backfield, so you can see I that kind of carry over. I believe um, it. I believe it. But, Adam, thank you so much for coming on. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, you know, I'm now a Cubs fan <laughs> by, yes. by sweat of the gun. Uh, I am now uh, an <laughs> Iowa uh, Hawkeyes fan as well. I've, I've got my 1986 B.J. Armstrong Iowa Hawkeyes shorts. Oh, um, yeah. To match. Oh, yeah. Classic. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, a certain someone has made sure that I do have uh, a lot of, uh, of Iowa gear to go with my Kentucky gear. But certainly appreciate it. Folks, follow this guy. You will not regret it. We, we certainly appreciate you coming on, Adam. I appreciate it. And uh, one more thing, I'm, I'm sure you guys have already mentioned it in the show, but I, I just wanted to make sure that I said uh, rest in peace to Jared Lorenzen, uh, one of the all-time classics. Uh, great dude off the field, too. Uh, he'll be missed. Absolutely. Thank you for that. We, we kind of sure. kicked the show off with that. But uh, my thing is, he wasn't just a Kentucky guy. He kind of became a – if you follow college football, you knew about Jerry Lorenzo, that, that mm-hmm. big quarterback at Kentucky that had a cannon for an arm. You mm-hmm. know, and it was just a shame that the teams weren't better around him, but it wasn't yeah. for, for right. lack of – you know, for anything he was doing. So we certainly yeah. appreciate that. And uh, we'll be sending out information. I'm sure there'll be memorials and that kind of stuff in the coming days for him. So, so thank you for that. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Adam. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Thanks, Adam. Absolutely. Adam Jacoby, go Iowa. Awesome. That was good stuff right there, man. Good stuff. And, and, and what they do, I've I've been following the uh, the site and following on Twitter. It's it's very similar to to KSR, but even a little bit more funny, I'd say. Uh, simply because you know it, it, having fun with Iowa, I, I I get it. I didn't really think about Iowa until recently myself. But uh, like Adam's saying, they've got a lot of really good uh, teams out uh, out of the Hawkeye State. So thankful for him to come on and, 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 and chop it up with us for, for a little bit tonight. Yeah, yeah, that was fun, for sure. Uh, it was a, a somber show. We still enjoyed it. We had to reflect on Jared. BBM is just absorbing that blow. Uh, Kentucky, the NFL, the tribute pouring in, Eli Manning, the Giants, the former teammates and friends and family members, uh, condolences to everyone, the enemy that death is, and just hated to hear that news come down um, once we heard that he was in the hospital. But uh, definitely thinking about his mom and his kids and his dad as well. So uh, a sad day for the BME, for sure. Absolutely, but... um... Like I said, I'm, I'm convinced that there, there's going to be uh, – there'll be some memorial stuff to come out, and I'm sure there'll be stuff at Kroger Field when the season uh, rolls around here. Not that not that long away, not that far away. We, we've – you know, you and I, as we do every year, we'll look at the schedule and kind of map out, you know, the, the wins and losses and everything like that. So, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll do yeah. something. You know, next at the beginning at the beginning of the season, and uh, they'll they'll be something uh, done for for him then. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm uh, we're just a few days away from SEC Media Days, and I, I looked at SEC Network on Twitter earlier, but it wouldn't surprise me if they put some of his games up. You know, there's that slow period. Uh, there's that time when Bomb Bomb goes on vacation and, you know, they had that takeover day. Every school has their day. Wouldn't surprise me to see some right. Jalen Renza stuff coming up on on the ESPN Classic or ESPNU or SEC Network or all of the above in in some form or fashion. Uh, his thoughts out to his family, thoughts out to Freddie Maggard as, as he continues on his next endeavor. Um, we had a ball, uh, thanks to Adam Jacoby, um, hope the summer's continuing to go well for you. Uh, I'm not Michelle Morton, but I'll be calling in and, and hooking up from vacation next week, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and we'll see what has happened between now and then next week, which will actually be uh, all-star time for baseball. So, like, officially, unofficially, probably the slowest week of the year because that will be the Wednesday after the MLB All-Star game. We'll see what Braves and what Cubs kind of represent the NL and, you know, home run derby and all that will be Monday. Uh, and then we'll move on towards the football season and keep on trucking towards that like you just mentioned. Absolutely, absolutely. So, great show. Uh, thanks again for having to come on. And, uh, I can't believe you're going to leave me in charge next week, but we'll see what we can do. Oh, I, mean, I plan on being there, you know, doing the whole thing and, <laughs> when we get a guest or not, uh, I've been I got some people I'm talking to, trying to get a little some guests in. But uh, you know, we roll for two hours, or we have guests. We versatile. Uh, it'll be fun, and I'll I'll be there for sure. But uh, until next time, have a good rest of the week. It is summertime, so hopefully Louisville will dry out a little bit, and. I, I got to ask you next week, too, you know, condolences to Jim Bean for all the bourbon that was lost, and we'll have to talk Woo. about the Louisville dog situation with the with the mail carriers can't even make their runs in Louisville with, with the dog situation. I have to ask you about that as well next week, too, in addition to whatever else happens between now and then. But uh, enjoy the rest of the evening, man, and uh, we'll do it all next week. The show will replay on 12 Ounce Sports. If you missed it, check it wherever you get your podcast. For my man's Ted T.B. Brown, I'm Vinny Hardy for another episode of Cat's Talk Wednesday. See everybody next week. Lockdownradio.com. Run Hardy Radio Network.